All right. I am so excited to introduce our guest for the next episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast here on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. Karina Wolf is here with us. You may or may not recognize that name, but you might recognize her username, Kale Me Maybe. She is a writer, journalist, a recipe developer, and food blogger that I really respect, and we've become friends online. And today, our conversation, I think, is going to be quite interesting because we'll cover some of the more surface topics, how she picked her, you know, name and and how she got her start. But also we want to talk about the rise of internet gurus, we'll call them, people who position themselves to have expertise, but may or may not actually have that expertise, which we see in the wellness blogging space and also in the food space. So Karina, before we get started, I want to tell you about what prompted this episode idea because KJ and I were talking about a comment that I got on a TikTok video. (laughs) So how, how all things start, right? I posted a video just about some of my favorite Ethiopian restaurants in the DC area. And if you don't know, DC is home to the largest Ethiopian population outside of the continent of Africa. So there are so many great Ethiopian restaurants here. And I got a comment from someone that said, and I quote, well, I'm Ethiopian and the only restaurant that I would recommend is X. And this prompted this really interesting conversation with KJ and I, because in the food space, I see this a lot. People will claim some sort of cultural heritage or be like, I cooked in a restaurant. I used to be a chef. So I can say that only X is good, or I can say that Y is bad. And often I feel like their claims don't really give them much expertise in my mind. So for this Ethiopian comment, like while I respect their heritage, it doesn't tell me anything about their experience with the food. For example, I know a lot of my I have quite a few immigrant friends who don't dine out at restaurants that serve their cultural cuisine because they make it at home. So they're usually dining out to try something else. So I don't know whether the person who made this comment has actually tried the Ethiopian restaurants in the DC area. I don't know if they, like some of my other friends, actually just survive on pizza and nachos. And they're, you know, I don't know if they're well-versed in the cuisine, if they cook it or if they've experienced it at these restaurants. So it sparked this conversation about claiming to have expertise. And I see it in the food space in the way that I described what we see it in the blogging space more broadly and particularly in the health and wellness space. And you wrote this incredible newsletter about the rise of wellness gurus. And could you just talk a little bit, first of all, introduce yourself. I know that was a long roundabout intro. (laughs) Then could you talk a little bit about what prompted you to write that newsletter? Yes, for sure. So I'm Karina, also known as Kill Maybe. I am a food blogger and writer. I have been doing this for about like eight years now, nine years. Um, I started off doing only freelance writing and blogging on the side. And I've kind of flipped and I do mostly blogging with freelance writing on the side. But as you mentioned, I now have a new newsletter, which kind of combines both the food blogging and the writing and kind of giving me the space to write about all the things that I have in my mind that don't necessarily fit a publication. And also writing for a publication just comes with its own set of restrictions. So yeah, this was my first real newsletter article that I came out with because it was something that's been on my mind for a long time now, Um, especially though the past year with the spread of misinformation happening so quickly and um, seeing people that I know who I feel like are really smart and educated 
And they are falling victim to this misinformation too. And so I just have a very deep concern for this topic. As we can see, it has really wide reaching effects through society and it's just getting worse and worse. But I particularly have like a close relationship to it in the wellness space because I'm part of that space. And as someone who not only blogs, but who also studied journalism, I have a unique perspective because I feel like to me, it's obvious what's fake news and what's real and like what sources you can trust but not everyone has that eye. And the more I learn, like I went to school for this, like I learned for four years, how you interview someone, how you know if they're trustworthy, you know, we're taught in journalism school. If you hear, if a source tells you a fact, you need to get it backed up by at least three other people and like this, this and that. And so I'm like naturally very skeptical, but I don't think that's how most people operate. And that's not necessarily their fault. You know, we're, we're used to consuming things and trusting because for a long time, the things that you read in print we're fairly trustworthy. So yeah, I've just been seeing the rise of misinformation, whether it's politics, vaccine misinformation, even things like misinformation about organic food or just about general nutrition overall is just growing and growing. And it's becoming more and more concerning to me. So I wanted to know why is this happening so badly? Why are people falling for this? And then on top of that, why are people who are influencers and bloggers doubling down so hard? Like what is it psychologically that is making them so resistant to feedback? Because to me, it's not, I don't think people are going out there to be evil and they're like, I'm going to say lies for attention and then I'm going to get followers and my life is going to be great. You know, like some of these people really believe what they're saying and why can't they just listen to the experts who are telling them it's not. So that to me was the most fascinating part because I felt like there were so many layers there and I really wanted to dig deep to figure out what those layers were. So if anyone's listening and is already intrigued, I think you should subscribe to her newsletter. Because <laughs> you get recipes, but also this very thoughtful commentary. It's called Good Mood Food, and I'm sure they can find it where on your uh, link in bio website. Yes, it is in my link in bio, but you can also just go to goodmoodfood.news. There we go. So if you don't mind me asking, I, first of all, Anella sent me that, so I definitely have read it. And I loved how you kind of came clean about the sugar and fruit debacle, mm -hmm. I think is what you called it. Yes. <laughs> I, I think it takes a certain level of self-awareness to even realize like, whoa, I might be coming off more knowledgeable or with more expertise than I really have. So let's talk about that mindfulness, right? Like, did someone bring this to your attention? Did you see someone else make a mistake and you'd be like, oh, snap, I've done that too. Like, where did you come to terms with this idea that, yo, I might be out here setting the record incorrectly? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's both. I'm in a place now that I'm very mindful because I see it more and more. And so I'm always checking myself. Like, is am I doing what this person is doing? Am I unintentionally hurting someone or am I unintentionally misinterpreting a study, but um, I guess I'll backtrack to the fruit thing. That was something that was brought to my attention by a lot of people <laughs> on my Instagram. I think it was, yeah, it was like three years ago. And I was way more flippant back then about what I would talk about. I mean, I had less followers. So there were just, it was a little like more relaxed, <laughs> but I still had, you know, like I said, like 80,000 followers. So it wasn't like I was talking to no one, but I would just kind of go on there. Like, I'd be like, Oh, I read this article today. And I think it's stupid because this, this, and this. And then I would, so someone would, people would ask me questions. So that's how the fruit thing came up. And I honestly answered it and thought it was no big deal. I was like, don't eat too much fruit, you know, sugar. And I have never gotten that many angry messages <laughs> ever 
um, since then and moving forward. But I think, you know, you have this moment of moment of panic when that happens because people are mad at you. And so you get a little defensive or you like get stressed. You can't think straight. Um, but thankfully, you know, I had people in there being like, I'm unfollowing right now. Bye. You're stupid. And then I had other people who were saying like, Hey, here's the flip side to that. And I, I mean, at the end of the day for me, I don't, I don't care about being right. I want, if I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong. So moving forward, I can fix it. Like, I'm not like trying to be some know-it-all person. I think it's really important to me to get things right. So I will be the first to admit when I mess up um, because that's important to me. Um, So I, I was able to listen to people who explained to me, you know, this is the flip side. You know, some people don't get enough fruit. Let's not shame people. All the things that I wrote about in the newsletter. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And I hadn't thought about that. And that's my fault for putting out the information before thinking it through, which is, you know, leading to today. Now, when I say anything, I kind of look at all sides to make sure I'm not missing something because, you know, I'm, I could, and I still do, I'm sure, but I'm way more aware. Like I will stare at a story for like three minutes, you know, to like make sure I'm not missing a viewpoint that I could be unintentionally uh, getting across. So I did have a lot of people bring that to my attention. And I think as I grew on Instagram and I had more people following me, which means more opinions and, you know, you're never going to be able to obviously like please everyone or agree with everyone. But for me, if I feel a certain way and someone points out something that's valid or that's another perspective or that I hadn't thought of, that to me is worth considering. Even if I think it's like an extra step to phrase it differently or to at least pause, like if I am not sure about a nutritional fact or something, I just won't share it. Or I'll point to someone else who is an expert and say like, look, I might not articulate this the exact way because I'm not the person who studied it, but go to this person because they'll tell you. And I'm not going to claim to be the one who knows all of this, but here are people you can learn about this from. And it's just, yeah, it's like a practice in, I think, taking a step back and thinking before you post. And I think I mentioned this in my newsletter too, that like some people approach Instagram differently where to them, it's just their space. Like they get to say whatever they want. It's their page, just my opinion, just how I feel. And while I get that, like if you and I are sitting and talking as friends over coffee, that's a different situation where I can maybe be a little more loose and say my opinion. And then if my friend's like, that's not right. I'm like, okay, cool. But like, a hundred thousand people didn't hear it and take it to heart and move forward with their life and take that advice. So when you have that platform, unfortunately, you don't get that privilege anymore. And it's extra work. And I don't think people like that. But that's what happens when you have people who follow you. And if you want to quote influence them, then you have to make sure you're influencing in a responsible way. I think this is so important because I mean, KJ and I, our platforms are much, much smaller, but I think we both try to be really responsible with them. And it Mm -hmm. does feel like a responsibility. When I was talking to my husband last year about going to see my mom, and this was in the middle of the surge, right? It was winter and this was our planned trip. My mom lives in Hawaii, so it's two plane rides away, two five and a half hour plane rides from where we live. And we said, you know, with isolation and testing, we would probably be fine. And we're young, we have no pre-existing conditions. 
but we're not private citizens anymore. And I'm not willing to take a trip like that and hide it from my followers. But I don't think it's responsible to model to 30,000 people that in the middle of a surge, you should go on a beach vacation. And it was really difficult for us to cancel it. And I'll be frank, canceling it had a lot to do with my audience because I was like, it's not responsible. And I also don't want people going to like safe little island where my mom lives right now because Hawaii didn't really have much community spread at the time and was pretty insulated because of the lack of tourism. And so I was like, let's let them live in their bubble um, and not encourage people to just like take a winter vacation in the middle of the pandemic. And that's like something I think you have to navigate as your account gets larger. It's kind of Mm -hmm. weird thinking that all of these people, I don't care as much about their opinions of me, but I do care about trying to be a responsible actor in this space. Absolutely. I am interested, Karina, in your thoughts on gurus, thought leaders, experts (laughs) that are not clinically trained or, you know, formally educated, right? Like just generally speaking, what what are what are your feelings on gurus and thought leaders? Well, I think that they mean well and most of them start off, like I said in the article, with the intention of helping people. Because usually these gurus have discovered something within themselves that worked. And so they started sharing it and it resonated with people. But I think we were in a different time now than we were when Instagram first started, where it was kind of like, you know, you would follow someone and maybe they had max 30,000 followers. And that was like big back then. And, you know, you felt like it was your friend kind of like, I find myself sometimes, even though I am an influencer, like I'll watch people's stories and I'll be clicking through and I'm like acting like they're like TV characters that I'm like watching their life. I know everything about them. I'm invested. And I'm like, wait, no, this person's real. Just like I'm real. And I forget that very quickly because I'm used to seeing them on Instagram. So, So I think we have this really weird relationship with people on Instagram where we look up to them as if they're like celebrity. And some of them are celebrities now, honestly, because of how big they are. But I am getting increasingly frustrated with, I think, the people, the gurus who don't shift along with the changing landscape of the internet and Instagram. Like we know that there's so much wrong information floating around. And it's just, you know, it's exponential. Like if there's a blog post from 2010 that says some untrue fact about nutrition and like 10 people read it, you know, it's frustrating, but it's not going to have a huge impact because not that many people are reading it. But then someone else writes an article based on that blog post. And then another person writes an article based on that article. And I know because I was someone who was doing this when I was doing a lot of freelance writing, because I think this is also worth noting that I kind of touched on briefly in the newsletter. When a lot of these articles that are online, like these lifestyle health articles, like these writers are getting paid like $50 an article and they have like three hours to write it. And you're on a tight deadline and you're writing like 20 of these a week. And this is what I used to do. So I didn't have time to go dig super deep into what I was researching, which is really unfortunate. It's something that honestly was part of the reason why I left and something that I still kind of feel a little bit of guilt about that I like contribute to this industry of like, you know, I wrote a piece about foods that are good for stress, but I referenced like a Healthline article and that Healthline article referenced another study and I like didn't fully read the study. And it's just this cycle of things spreading really quickly. So all of that long-windedness to say that um, I think in the beginning when you were a guru, it was a little more acceptable to kind of just be talking to your friends and your followers and say, I read this article and I learned this and people were like, wow, never heard that before. Awesome. Now we know that there's a lot of 
misinformation out there and it's being corrected. But the gurus that really upset me are the ones who refuse to let go of the things they once learned. They're just clinging to it so strongly. And the worst part is you've got doctors, nutritionists, experts in whatever field you're talking about coming to them and saying, you're wrong about this. I can explain it to you because I've been doing this my whole life and I have my master's degree in this and I have a PhD and I worked on the study and this is not true. And the people are just like, oh, big pharma, you're a shill. Like, it's a lie. You're corrupt. And they refuse to course correct. And I think there are a sprinkling of people who do come out and say like, oh, I thought this, but I was wrong. I'm like, here's the person to go to. And that's really great, but it's not enough people. And you kind of have the opposite where the gurus that are doubling down have an audience that don't want to let go of that either because they have some sort of investment in this. Like, you know, they've been eating organic for five years and they don't want to think that they wasted money on it or that they're, you know, they're telling their friends and it's wrong. And so they follow those people. And then they're all in these little dark corners of the internet, like all kind of doubling down harder and harder on these things we know are wrong. And that's to me, what really concerns me is like, why can't you just, you know, take the new information and be that responsible leader and help educate all these people, they're going to respect you, they're not going to leave. But that's where the conspiracies start to kind of um, bubble up when people refuse to let go of these past things that they hold on to so strongly. It's almost like a cult of personality. Mm -hmm. It's like this imagined shared community around this very core concept. And so to let go of that concept probably feels threatening, right? You've built this platform. Uh And what if it all falls apart if you decide to tell people that like, oh, shit, we made a mistake? Yeah, 100%. And I think people like like there's a phenomenon where when someone goes against the grain, a lot of people who are also in that camp will just praise them and like comment and be like, you're so, you know, you're speaking out, you're doing this, like you're not listening, you're you're really like the thought leader here. And when you get that kind of attention, like it's intoxicating and you want to keep that going and you're getting more attention doing that than you would coming out and saying like, oh, here's the other thing that actually I was wrong about. Like, you know, the, I mean, I, I feel like I've seen followers of mine who actually have responded really well to that. But, you know, no one's like coming to me and being like, oh, you're so brave. Like, <laughs> you're, you know, you're the person saving us all from being unhealthy. Like, but there are people out there who do want, who do care about truth and knowledge, but it's just a less of an instant satisfaction. Like, it's like a slow build over time of gaining an audience of people who are here for the right reasons. I mean, based on what you just told us, there was obviously a time where you had to make a decision on whether you were going to be that kind of quote unquote guru who was just going to be like, screw it. Let me keep getting these likes, shares and partnerships or become the kind of person where you will be a growing influence in someone's life, but also say I messed up or the way I phrased that was wrong or or whatever have you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember having to make that decision or were you always going to be the truthful Karina, like, you know, because I wouldn't judge you either way. I'm not at that point yet where people are throwing enough partnerships or money or opportunities my way where I have to decide. I don't really like that app, but that check is real. You know, like, did you ever have to make that conscious decision to be honest and take responsibility up front or or were you always going to be that way? I think as soon as I started to grow, you know, growing comes with partnerships, growing comes with more people, growing comes with attention. But for me, I realized that I had a lot of eyes on me and I 
didn't really like I was never like a young kid who was like I want to be famous like I don't really want fame (laughs) and I definitely don't want people to like idolize me and I had this it was it was like you know maybe around the 70 mark 100,000 like I would go to parties with my friends and like their friends of friends would be like oh my god you're so cool like you have this Instagram following like hail me maybe and I'd be like this is so weird like I'm just one of you we're here at the party hanging out like I'm no different like it's not that cool I promise um and that kind of made me feel a little I I had like a reflection moment where I was like, what do I want out of this? Do I want to grow and be like an empire and and start a YouTube and have a TV show and do this and this? Or do I want to just keep doing what I love, which is educating, writing, cooking, photography. And after a little bit of soul searching, I was like, I don't want that for the reasons of not wanting the fame. But also I... Like I said, I value like truth and education and like open-mindedness. And I don't know, to me, like, I just like, I love when I just learn and that willingness to learn, I think is what keeps me able to not be a guru because I don't feel like I'm the expert. Like, I definitely think I know a lot. And I think that I spend a lot of time reading and learning about stuff, but um, I am not no one needs to like look up to me as how they should live their life unless they just like me as a person. And um, I'm not necessarily even looking to have my followers like, you know, admire me as a person. I want them to just feel like they're hanging out with their friend. And a friend wouldn't want to be like the celebrity of the group. You know, you want to be on an even playing field with people. So I think the my desire to just know what, how things really are combined with me not really wanting to be like a public figurehead and be like a celebrity. I think realizing those two things about myself made me think, okay, I think it's way more important that I take a step back from maybe giving out advice and health advice and just share what I'm learning as I learn it or share my food and just like point to the people that I am getting my information from because that's way more powerful anyway. Like I want people to be empowered to know where to get information because that's what's going to help you sift through all of the real versus like bullshit. It's switching gears a little bit because, you know, you have grown so much further than KJ and I, who are in our little infancy stages. I think we've both been seriously doing this for about a year. And if you could give advice to your younger self, AKA advice to us, trying to navigate this space where, you know, we have been kind of given this platform. And I think we both want to be responsible actors, but also there are so many competing interests now in the blogging kind of content creation space. There's new platforms. Instagram seems to change every day and everyone's freaking out about the algorithm and nobody knows <laughs> what to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you could give your younger blogger self advice, what would it be? Hmm. I think it would be to, I think finding a balance between being your authentic self online and not feeling like you have to craft a persona. And then also on top of that, like having your boundaries and space with yourself, it's like a very delicate balance. But I think there was a time when I didn't care at all because I was growing so fast. I had nothing to do with it. Like I was just putting my stuff out and gaining followers like crazy. Like it was a 
you know, the algorithm, I can't, can't explain it, but um, I was very lax about it, maybe too lax, which is why the fruit thing happened. Um, and so there was like that side of it. And then beca- after the fruit thing happened, I was really reserved online. I didn't want to show my face. I didn't want to talk about issues. I didn't want to do anything that was going to rock the boat because I was so shaken up by um, that incident of just like, oh my gosh, I said something wrong and I upset a lot of people and like, I could do that again. So maybe I should just kind of take a step back. So I think my advice would be find that medium happy place where you realize like, this is just social media. This is just, you know, my, who I am and my stories is not define who I am as a person. You know, like I have a life outside of Instagram and people know me on a different level there, but also I want people to, I want to be authentic and people to um, feel like they can see who I really am and that I'm not afraid. And that I'm not like uh, keeping my mouth out of fear because that's also not really a way to live, especially when you have a platform and you have influence and people are looking to you to, you know, people look and, and even though I don't want to be the guru, like people are still watching my life. And so I want, I don't want to put out something that's untrue or that's misleading. So yeah, it's just find that balance of being yourself and not, being too flippant. <laughs> so I think we can all agree that the term guru has turned into a thing that none of us really like, and we don't really want to be known as gurus. What is the name that we can give for people who have massive followings and are responsible and will take ownership if they mess up and are not running from confrontation, maybe welcoming it? You know, what, what are we going to call these people? that we are trying to become me and Anella and, and you clearly are like, what is the term for that? What should people be aspiring to become? Hmm. Maybe like a, well, okay. I don't know if this is a good name because it kind of sounds kind of silly, but like instead of influencer, you can be like inspirer. <laughs> I mean, we need, a, we need a smoother term. <laughs> yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think rather than, I always think like, I don't want to influence someone necessarily. I just want to inspire them. And I think that the difference there is like influencing kind of sounds more like you want them to just do what you're doing. Um, whereas inspiring is like, I want you to get ideas from what I'm doing, but then I want you to make it your own. Um, and I want you to make that decision, but like, it will be motivated by something I do not necessarily. You're just doing it because I'm doing it. I need you to go ahead and write a blog post or a newsletter where you say, <laughs> I was on this. giving out homework. Listen, bro. <laughs> but she, listen, that's a great term. Social media influencer versus social media inspirer. I love that. I think that we might have stumbled. This might be exclusive. We might have stumbled on something, dog. I'm going to go ahead and let Anella talk. But I think we... I think we might have stumbled onto some Karina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I appreciate you for being so kind of forthright with us. And even in the food space, I think this topic is really important because I, it might have been you actually who shared something that I thought was really interesting about like organic food and kind of the conversation that we have about organic food is that it's become such a preference in our pop culture that now, right, some communities like low income communities, when they're doing research or reporting that basically parents are hesitant to give their young children fresh fruits and vegetables if they're not organic, because they've heard all of these horrific things about, you know, regular food. Um, and so 
it's like, what do we do in this digital space where the conversations we're having have such far reaching impacts? And ultimately, is it better to just never give your child fresh fruits and vegetables? Or is it better to, you know, understand that so many issues are at play in food consumption, including class and access and, you know, what's right for me as a very upper middle class, like overeducated Washingtonian is probably very different than what's going to be right even for KJ who lives in Charleston. And when you multiply that by hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, what happens in the food space now when we're starting to define what is healthy and you know what is acceptable? Yeah, that's kind of some of the things that I've been seeing is there are a group of people who are like organic or you're going to die. And it's it's really damaging on a lot of levels. Um, one, because it's not true. But two, because it's like me saying, you know, moderate your fruit. Well, some people need to eat more fruit. And I don't I shouldn't assume that everyone is like me and who has access to fresh fruit every second. Like, that's not a way to look at things. The fact that people are eating less vegetables because they're afraid of organic is so sad. And I think it's like the oversimplification too of even things like, you know, people talking about the comorbidities for COVID or people who say, if you just eat healthy, like your immune system will be fine and you'll survive. And it's like, well, you're leaving out a million other things in here. Like, you know, people don't have access to fresh food. And so you're just saying whatever, they should just get COVID. Like, it's just, it's so harmful to hear that when you're not, in the same position as the person saying it, which also kind of made me think of like the whole clean eating term and like, you know, the guilt free and all that. And that's something that I um, have really been paying attention to also in myself, because that was a term I used to use to describe my page was clean eating. And I made a conscious decision to get rid of that because there's food shame involved and it's making people feel bad for the food that they eat, whether it's because they like it. And that's, it or if it's because of food that's important to their culture or if it's the only food they can even afford and no one should be made to feel shameful for what they eat and the language that we do use is important and that was like a place where i was you know blind to that perspective and once i learned about it it you know it clicked and then i made that change and i like scrapped it off of all of my um you know my website my instagram and i actually have been in the process of kind of writing about my experience with that too but it's all these little things that i think are you know i think i think there's like a little a little bit of shame for the people who have been doing those things and part of kind of changing course is just admitting that you were part of it and i think some people don't want to do that or they just think it's silly because it's like whatever it's just the word clean who cares i'm not really shaming you and i think that's kind of where having empathy and perspective will help drive you through these changes because yeah, maybe you're lucky and you've never had an eating disorder before. But if you were someone who had an eating disorder and you felt all of those feelings whenever you ate something that was quote guilty, like you would probably want to stop using that language too because you went through it and we need to have that empathy for people. It's a really small switch to just make the change for yourself and clean up how you say things. And it has a big impact. Like it's not like anyone's asking you to redo your whole life. Like just just adjust yeah. to help be more inclusive. It's really, I, f I found that it's been difficult for me to be conscious about like diet language and not, and that's just because of our culture, because yeah, it's totally. so ingrained in the way we talk about food, exercise, clothing, all of the things, right? So yeah. it's like everything is clean or guilty, or it's a treat, or it's an indulgence, or, you know, it's low calorie or like, and it's just, I feel like it's, 
ever present in our food discourse and Mm -hmm. it's incredibly harmful. And I think it's harmful in ways that, you know, affect all of us, even if we're not super conscious of it. That's a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Nah, bro. Let's talk about it, bro. Let's talk about it. But no, all all joking aside, I agree with with you both. You know, this one of the conversations that me and Anella have had for a moment of transparency is until Anella, I didn't really follow any white food bloggers, you know, or food influencers for that reason. Like I felt like they weren't speaking to me mm-hmm. and I felt like a lot of the language they used around food was inadvertently, I would say, you know, I don't think a lot of them were going out of their way to be mean, but inadvertently when you're telling me rice, ew, that's so, you know, that's so 1990, we're eating <laughs> quinoa now. Right. And I'm like, or fried chicken, like, fried chicken, like, we don't do that anymore. Like, so I told Anella, like, I'm, I don't, I don't need to see that because it, it, it makes me feel like this, like, I have to apologize for my culture and my cultural cuisine. And I don't want to do that. And again, if it wasn't for Anella, I wouldn't have learned about your platform and other people she's put me on where she's like, not nah, everyone's not like that. However, the people who seem to be getting a lot of the play from a partnership and branding and marketing and all that, they are kind of, I'm again, I'm going to say inadvertently spitting this language that is hurtful to people, whether they know it or not. And so I just wanted to say before our conversation is done that I appreciate a your candor and b your own mindfulness that you can now eloquently speak and say like yo i used to think these ways and somebody had to put me on or i had to have these lessons because the more i think we talk about it i think the more we allow for people to fail in public and it's that failure or that yeah that failure that failure is what people are afraid of they don't want to fail in public Mm -hmm. so i appreciate people like you who have grown these massive platforms that are willing to fail in public and say yo i used to think this or i used to do this i didn't realize it was hurtful or i didn't realize it could be harmful and now i'm changing my ways i think you're gonna give a lot of people courage to be like that and that's what you mean by social media (laughs) not 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 influencer but inspirer i think you are right on target with that kj's gonna come sweatshirt next time (laughs) social media inspirer oh my gosh i hope (laughs) i would wear it (laughs) say less but you know kj you made a good point and karina i think you're probably to a place where your platform has grown so much that i'm sure brands give you a lot more leeway in your relationships and in your content creation than they do for smaller platforms but from a marketing standpoint they when you're partnering with a brand they'll send you like usually a brief or a guide and it'll have you know kind of what they're looking for maybe it'll have some mock-up image ideas, et cetera. And a lot of that language is in those guides, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of the diet language, a lot of the language about good and bad food is in those because they use that to market themselves, right? And so then I feel like influencers get those brand guides and we parrot them out when we're creating our content. And so I've tried, and I failed before, I've tried to be conscious about like, okay, you know, this product does use whole grains, And it's 100% whole grain, which is great. Like, that's a good starting point. But like, I'm not going to deem it to be the healthiest in its category. And I'm not going to say even that it's healthy. I'm just going to say that it has 100% whole grains because that is a fact, right? That's the, the, on the label, I can read the ingredients, but it doesn't give it like a moral value. But 
I think, especially when you're newer to partnerships, like parsing that language and sometimes negotiating that can be really difficult. And so I would encourage folks to just like, if it makes you uncomfortable, push back. And usually they'll be like, eh, it's fine. And then if they are not willing to give you some leeway to not make the most outrageous marketing statement about their product, <laughs> maybe you should rethink working with them, so which true. is also a financial privilege, but it's hard. I think you're right though, that unfortunately, like the bigger you get and the more like quote in demand you are, you do have a little more leeway because I know for myself in the beginning, it was, it was hard to turn things down because I wanted the money and I wanted to sustain myself and you know, you just have a little more, you're less experienced. So you're a little more nervous. Like, I don't want to have a confrontation with someone who's about to pay me. Like I want to be, you know, a good partner, but I think, yeah, having those, I think knowing what you are willing and willing, not willing to do, um, and knowing that you're not going to budge on that. If you, like you said, if you have the privilege to be able to turn those things down, um, it's really important to speak up. And I actually have found that most of the time people are pretty open as long as you keep the generic, message, like you should be able to say it in your own words, because that is what they're paying you for. They're paying for you to be the person who's quote, influencing, inspiring, whatever. They should be willing to let you say that message in the most effective and natural way. But I do think there are some people who are still lagging some brands who are um, not quite getting it. (laughs) And I've definitely run into that issue and I've pushed back. But I think also talking to other people, like if you know someone else is partnering with them, like I had this issue this past year where I was partnering with a big brand and they came out with this whole thing and they had all this language about clean and this and that. And I was like, I don't do that anymore. Like, can I change it to this? Like, also, can I maybe like suggest to you that you don't do this either? And they kind of like fake listen to me. Like they were like, oh, we'll put you in touch with the CEO. And I was like, no, he's not going to listen to a random blogger. But I did have a couple friends who were also partnering with the same brand and they also spoke up. So I feel like it's a little uh, less intimidating when you know that other people are saying the same thing, because if they're really like, if they have a good marketing team, they should listen to the people who are giving the feedback. Yeah. And I mean, ironically, I think you know that I feel this way. I'm like, the CEO should be listening to a random blogger because yeah. bloggers <laughs> are like women usually alone with their laptops who have managed to build massive platforms with mm-hmm. no capital investment yep. and you know, yep. no advisors. And so I'm like, the CEO should be listening to the other CEO that has more yeah. influence. Than he does. <laughs> but that's a conversation that I think like the traditional business world is not ready to have about the rise of influencers. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Or inspires. <laughs> Okay, on that note, KJ, lead us out. (laughs) So, Karina, we started doing this thing at the end of our most recent episodes where we give shout outs. And it would be unfair to have you spend time with us and not give you an opportunity to give a shout out or multiple shout outs. So anything, it doesn't have to be on topic. It could be a lady who opened the door for you if you want to. We just want to end every episode with some positivity. So who do you want to give some shout outs to? Hmm. Oh, this is kind of hard. <laughs> it's one of okay. those questions you don't usually yeah. get, right? This is really going to be really cliche and corny, but I'm going to actually shout out to my followers because 
I have been in the spirit of combating misinformation. I have been posting a lot of stuff about vaccines and about how, you know, organic food isn't what you think it is and all these things that are definitely controversial in my space. And I've had no like anti-vaxxers in my messages. I'm probably going to jinx it now, but everyone's been really nice and really respectful. And my followers have been engaging in a really positive way and it's made Instagram so much nicer. So shout out to all the followers. That was really good. That was really good. That was really good. Anella, give us some shout outs, please. Oh, this one's easy. So shout out to my husband, Ahmed, who, you know, I didn't set out when I started my platform to become an influencer to like to get internet famous. I wanted to practice social media skills for my old job that I thought like I was going to be doing similar work, but in a different capacity. And that didn't happen. So while I like started this journey, he really did not sign up for it, right? He did not sign up for like me taking photos of every meal we ever eat and (laughs) me dragging him all over town. Or on Sunday, we drove around for five hours for this project that I'm working on for local black owned restaurants. And he is just so patient, like so infinitely patient and supportive. And when I quit my job and was like, I don't know if Feed the Malik's going to work. He's like, well, I got a job. So even if you go broke, like we'll be fine. And I think he's like the secret weapon on my account. If, if I ever post a photo or there's a glimpse of him in my stories, my engagement goes through the roof and I'm like, I get it y'all. He's attractive. Well, it's going to be fine. And I will also preview our next episode. So after this, we are going to have an Ahmed episode where we bring him on. And so if you have any questions about what it's like to be an Instagram hubby, what it's like to travel the world with your wife, to live abroad and work abroad with your partner and all of the crazy things that we've done together, uh, shoot them my way via DM. And I'll be posting about it on Instagram to collect your questions because he, of course, has agreed to humor me in this aspect he really is the man shout out to the hubby my shout out today is super random so karina you don't know this about me but about a month and a half ago i started this weight loss journey and i've been able to eat all my cultural foods and still lose 25 pounds you dig but the big shout out goes to the staff at fleet feet this is not an ad by the way they have not paid us to do this yet but <laughs> i've got i'm i'm over 300 pounds dude like i don't look it but i'm a big dude and so they helped me find running shoes where i don't die so now i'm running like 5k worth of of miles you know once or twice a week without dying because the fleet feet staff is on point so shout out to fleet feet if you want to start running get your feet measured all right do it right (laughs) don't hurt yourself go see your doctor first that's what i did and yes so shout out to fleet feet that's super random but I, i feel like they deserve the praise and on that note thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the fix your plate podcast karina Kale Me Maybe was joining us. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Kale Me Maybe. You can also find my newsletter at goodmoodfood.news. And we'll definitely put a link to the to the newsletter that we kept referring to this episode <laughs> in, in the show notes. Y'all be well, be safe. We'll holler at everybody later. Peace.